0: Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast, a place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share with you. Whether you're listening on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or needing a boost of encouragement after a full day, I want for you to feel seen by God, to be encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Today's episode is with my friend Rainer Lohman. Rainer and I went to high school together, but we haven't seen each other in years. However, we recently reconnected on social media, and it's been the sweetest thing. Rainer loves Jesus. She's a pilot's wife, a mom of five, a champion of adoption, an advocate for special needs parenting, a nonprofit ministry founder, an expert at charcuterie, and loves feeding her family. You are going to be refreshed as Rainer shares her story with us today. You're going to hear the surprising way she knew she was called to adopt when she was a middle schooler. And then years later, how God brought that back to her attention. And also a lunch that changed the trajectory of what her family was going to look like. We're going to get right to our conversation. But before we do, I wanted to let you know that I email out the show notes every Tuesday after the previous Friday's episode. So if you want to get on that list, go to my webpage and you can sign up to receive those on Tuesdays. Okay, let's get to it. This is my conversation with my friend Rainer. Well, welcome to the podcast, Rainer. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. We met in high school in Memphis, and um, and then we reconnected on Facebook. I didn't do Facebook for years, and then I started it, and then we reconnected there, and now we follow each other on Instagram, and it's just fun to get a peek into your life and to reconnect. Well, and, and same, friend, same. It's so fun. So um, I'm so excited you're on the podcast. We have a lot in common. Um, we did go to high school together, but Uh, our husbands are pilots. So we kind of understand the whole um, kind of single mom in it for a time when they travel. So I, um, I love that, that we have that little connection.
1: Me too. I kind of consider it life a and life B Mm
0: -hmm. like life.
1: When my husband's home and Mm -hmm. life when he's gone, because when he's gone, I'm the captain of the ship. Yep. But when he's home, I want to give him back that role. So it's, it's kind of a very intentional handoff. Mm-hmm. We almost have like this like debriefing where like, okay, this is what's been going on. Mm-hmm. This is what this child's been doing. This is what we're working on. Okay, please
0: jump back in. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a challenge because you want, like you said, you want to hand back the captain of the ship, but it is a challenge. And especially I would think in uh, a large family as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. When he is absent, his presence is very absent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is.
0: I want to jump in. I want you to tell my listeners just a little bit about yourself and your family and kind of like a peek into your day-to-day life.
1: Okay. Um, my husband and I met in college at MTSU. We actually are both from Memphis. We had mutual friends, but we never met. And I right. think back, like, I wonder if we would have really been a good fit back then. <laughs> Because we both did a lot of maturing and growing, obviously, Um, but we met in college early on and we actually got married when we still had one semester left of college. And thankfully our parents agreed Mm -hmm. and we kept our grades up. There wasn't anything negative (laughs) about it, but we were just ready. And we, um, I was thankful to have met someone early on in college who loved the Lord And we could start to kind of talk about life. So we really have grown up together in a lot of ways. Uh, Like first apartment, first, you know, paying bills and all of those things together. Um, So we have most, we've actually lived in Tennessee our entire lives. We've just moved around a little bit. Um, When we graduated from college uh, and we had been, we were newlyweds and then 9-11 happened Mm -hmm. and all the plans that we thought were just right before us, his offers from airlines were retracted as these airlines were trying to like find their footing. So the, his career as an airline pilot, it has been a bumpy one. There have even been moments where I have thought like, are you sure this is Mm -hmm. what you want to do? Mm -hmm. But thankfully he has stuck with it. And his dream job was always to work for FedEx. His dad is actually a FedEx pilot. So he had that modeled for him And that really is a huge, that is actually one of the biggest ways that the Lord has prepared us for the adoptions that we have pursued is because the Lord knew he would have that job with FedEx with that type of financial security, Mm. but it's the benefits and the health insurance that has been huge. So Mm. to back up a little, we got married and, um, I really wanted to have kids. It just didn't make sense for a while because he was trying to fly, find flying work. I was the one supporting us financially, doing everything I could. He and I both had so many jobs, like nothing was beneath us. We worked really, really hard to help him achieve flying in his dream. And, you know, so um, we now have five children. Our oldest is 14, a girl. Then we have a 12-year-old son, a nine-year-old son, a seven-year-old daughter, and a four-year-old son. <laughs> so We have like a day where we may be working on like great potty things. And we're talking about homecoming and boys. And we need a dress, mom. And I've got it. A... So I love being a mom. I absolutely love it. It was what I always wanted to do. And I love every stage, I, but every stage can come with challenges, mm-hmm. obviously, and just so many fun things. So um, we decided to adopt after we had our first two kiddos, but I was ready to adopt six years before Mitch was. Okay. He was not saying no But from the financial aspect, the provider, the protector, it didn't make a lot of sense to him in the timing. So one of the things that I just did, because I felt like I had such a heart for vulnerable children and adoption families, foster care, I, during those six years, just didn't sit on my hands. I did not try to coerce Mitch or convince him. I just knew that the Lord would have to do a work in both of our hearts. But in the meantime, I was going to serve in that arena. So we hosted fundraisers for families adopting. We volunteered. We did respite care for um, some kiddos. We, We did everything we could to help support those who were walking it out and doing it. Then that helped my heart because I had such a huge desire to serve in that way And then having to trust the Lord, like if this isn't part of our story personally, there's still so many ways that I can get involved. And that's what I try to encourage a lot of people because it takes two to make that decision to adopt. If you're married and have a spouse, it's not just one dragging the other into the decision. So it really wasn't until six years of really praying, lots of crying, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and really not not bringing it up a lot that Mitch and I were at lunch. And I remember clearly that day I had thought this is too painful. If the answer is no, like I just need to know the answer because this desire in my heart to invite a child into our family through adoption is so strong, but it's been a no for so long. And we sat down to lunch. I can tell you the exact table in the restaurant where we Mm -hmm. were. And my husband said, so what's been on your mind lately? I thought, okay, Lord, here we go. Like Mm -hmm. he he just asked, so I'm Mm going to answer. So I said, well, adoption, that's, Mm -hmm. it's still on my heart, but I respect you and we have to make this decision together. But the thing that I said that day was what if we did, what if we said, yes, what would that look like right now? And what do you think the Lord has already put in place to provide for us? So when we took that step back and we just sat in that lunch in a restaurant with people all around us, and we just started discussing, okay, well, let's think about it. Well, obviously we have love to give. We obviously have room in our car. We obviously could fit another sweet child at our table. I mean, we started literally talking Mm. it out. And then when we got to the topic of health insurance, and we know Mitch has like a Cadillac of all plans. I feel like I should go hug Fred Smith. At yeah. <laughs> Thank you for making this possible. Yeah. But our hearts were towards Asian adoption. And we knew that that meant taking on some children with different needs. And that's what we wanted to do. And then we started thinking, okay, if we have this phenomenal health insurance plan, and we live right by Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, one mm. of the hospitals that people travel to, not to mention we're close to Lebanon and other great hospitals that we could travel to easily. It just made sense. Mm. And so at the end of that lunch, Mitch simply said, we should do it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I
1: said, okay, but like, take time to think about it and pray about it. Because if you say go, like I'm gone, yeah, but yeah. if you're sure, I said, just Take a day to think about it. He's like, no, Rainer, I know I want to do it. And he wanted to do it all along. It just mm-hmm. wasn't the right time.
0: Right. And that sure. was just
1: between him and the Lord, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And so that day we went from the restaurant to our car and he's picking up the phone and calling and starting our home study period.
0: Wow. And So
1: to go from this waiting season of six years, not knowing if it would happen to him running headfirst towards his child, whoever that was, wherever this child was, has been such a cool thing to watch. And he actually is the one who's done almost all the paperwork, which is usually not the way it is. Mm-hmm. Most In most situations, the women are the one that do the paperwork and you know the husband's kind of coming along, but not mm-hmm. in our case. He travels, so he has a lot more downtime than I do in a quiet hotel. And that was just one thing that he's really good at, Mm -hmm. And it was something that he could do. So if it was anything we had to write about that was like emotional or telling our story or talking about a plan to care for a child, he would say, Rainer, I need you to do this. But -hmm. otherwise, he fought for his kids three times, three adoptions, and Mm -hmm. did the paperwork, which is just big in the adoption world.
0: It is. I'm so
1: grateful for it.
0: Yeah. Okay. I want to go back. Um, Two different things. I want you to tell us what age were your kids when you brought them home? Okay. Uh, You said your first two were biological, our biological children. Mm -hmm. And so you brought them home from the hospital, you know, two days later after you had them. And so tell me about the three children that you brought home through adoption. What age were they when you were able to bring them home?
1: so we after meeting with our social worker we did land on china as our choice of country after much prayer because we believe every single child in this whole universe you know, world has value mm-hmm. and deserves to have a family but when you look at the requirements of domestic international and then if you're even looking at international different countries different countries require different things and it's how they help make it a good fit. And countries are allowed to have this list of unusual requests to us. Sometimes it does seem a little unusual China. I giggle because one of their requirements is they have a specific number of the BMI, like your body mass index. Mm -hmm. That's one of their requirements is they want people adopting to be within a certain range for them. It's because they want healthy parents. They Mm -hmm. want healthy parents adopting, but anyway, So we looked at the requirements for China and thought, we really do meet those requirements. This is wonderful. So we moved towards China. Um, Our first adoption was Kate and she was three and three is just a great age. It was hard at the time because she wasn't really old enough to understand what was going on. But at the same time, she's like almost potty trained, you know, all those other things and just so full of life. Mm -hmm. Um, then we went and broke birth order, which some people think is a no, no, but we heard clearly from the Lord. So Kate had actually only been home a little over three months. So we were still in the thick of it and we had just moved, which is, you know, just (laughs) sure. Uh, We just moved and things were, you know, we're working it out, working on bonding and all of that. And I, um, I saw a picture on an advocacy page on Facebook about this little boy who was here in the U.S. for a summer hosting program? That caught my eye. I didn't know that that ever happened with China. I'd never heard of that. And he was six years, or he was five years old at the time when I saw his picture. I would have never necessarily dreamed that we would have adopted a five-year-old. Mm. Um, but there was just something that day when I saw his picture and his medical needs scared me to death. So at first I like just kind of try to like push it back. And then the Lord just kept bringing me back and back and back until I'm Googling, literally Googling. Mm. What is this? What does this mean? What would this look like? Mm. So by the time we got him and brought him home, he was six. Um, And then our son Blake, he was three and a half and he's been home a little over a year. So we did kind of break birth order and we put in another middle child and there have been a few bumps along the way with that, but It definitely was the best decision and that child is my child. So I'm glad that I didn't let age fear me, but there is a difference Mm -hmm. between adopting a three-year-old and adopting a six-year-old because obviously a six-year-old has literally been in an institution without the love and care of our family for six years. So, you know, we tried our best to read the books and do the training to be prepared for what that might look like and what he might need in that stage. And our social worker was too. Mm -hmm. So even though six to us, you know, some people may sound kind of uh, young, but like in the adoption world, that really actually is pretty old. Now. I mean, you can Mm -hmm. definitely adopt them older. Um, But so yeah, we've just been on our toes. We did back to back to back adoptions pretty much because we thought, well, The Lord keeps opening this door and we're in the throes of like teaching our children English Mm -hmm. (laughs) and doing all the things and doctor's appointments and yeah, let's, let's do it again. So that's kind of, that's kind of where we are right now as a family of five, well, five kids, seven kids and seven people. Exactly.
0: Okay. So in this family of seven, I know that every day is not. a a great day. I mean, and you've got, you know, and realistically speaking in adoption, even just adopting one child, there are going to be some hard things, but some beautiful things. I mean, I I feel like you are so warm and inviting. How do you translate that to your children and having them kind of bond together with you, but also with your kids that are biological as well? Yeah,
1: It, it takes a lot of intentionality. Um, it takes a lot of prayer, literally prayer and asking the Holy spirit to lead me and guide me each day and every moment. Because like you said, like you hit the nail on the head, like the dynamics of even children integrating together, like, Oh, here's your sister. Here's a new right. sibling. Like it's very different. And then you're combining cultures. Mm. Like it's the Chinese culture has a lot of differences from our culture Mm -hmm. and I'm sure we do a lot of things that like scared my kids to death like (laughs) these people speak a different language they smell differently they dress differently what's going on yeah so we had to be very intentional on looking at the dynamics of our children and trying to create healthy relationships we didn't always get it right i mean we are always a work in progress but we would very intentionally say like okay If I noticed one of my older biological kiddos was having trouble, I'd make sure that they had space. Like I would try not to put too much on them and caring for their younger sibling or that type of thing to give them the space that they need. And then we just, we have just tried to be as warm and loving and affectionate as we can really in the way that Christ has modeled it for us. Like how do we want Christ to treat us, right? Right and not hold things against us. He forgives us when we mess up and he never gives up on us. He doesn't walk away. He's so patient and kind. And so we really try to model that. And I I believe in my heart that kids coming from trauma will respond in a better way. If you keep your tone of voice low. If you try to keep your anger down, if you try not to show your frustration as much. And there were times when I almost felt like I was almost being fake because my insides were churning and it was so hard. And I, there's not a guidebook for this. It's just a one day at a time. So I decided a few years ago, I am going to change change the way I speak out loud to my children. Mm. I'm just going to change it. And I can't, it's okay. It was almost like I'm going to fake it till I make it. Mm. Because I don't want this high stressed tone coming from my mouth. It does not help the situation. So if anyone's in my home, they may think I'm kind of crazy, but this is how I will speak to my children. Like, what is it love or bring that to me? Like I really brought myself down and did what I knew I needed to do. It was a total make it till I make it. Cause mm. I knew that's what they needed. They needed to not be afraid. I remember there was one time when my son Jack had not been home, I think maybe, maybe two months. So he's still figuring us out. We're still figuring him out. He dropped a big jug of milk in the kitchen, a total accident. And it fell to the ground. Milk goes everywhere. He's crying. Thankfully, I I handled it pretty well, but we're still like just flurrying into activity to clean it up. We weren't yelling at him. We weren't mad, but we were in a frenzy to get it cleaned up. Well, a little bit later, he communicates, are you sending me back to China? And that just slayed me that that is what's in his mind. That if I mess up, if they're upset with me, that I'm going to have to go back. And he had a really, really rough childhood in China. And that came out more and more as he got home. So that would be absolutely the worst punishment ever. And so mm-hmm. it was moments like that too, that really taught me like, I have got to let them know that we are safe, that they are loved. And like their my love for them is not dependent on their behavior. So mm-hmm. I try even now still, even the other day, one of mine had a horrible meltdown. It was saying things that I know they didn't really mean. Mm-hmm. And I just said, No matter what you say, I'm going to love you. No matter what you do, I'm going to love you. And I just do that over and over, which I feel like that's what I want my heavenly father to say Mm -hmm. over me, Rainer. No matter what you do, I'm going to love you. And when you come to me and ask for forgiveness, I'm going to forgive you. Like you're Mm going to be forgiven. So I am so grateful to have that personal relationship with Jesus because what we do in our household on a daily basis can be very hard at times it's way beyond me. I'm not a parenting expert. Mitch and I do not have all the answers. Yes, we've read the books and taken the classes, but we depend on the Lord on a daily basis. And I can remember having lunch with a friend and she was a young woman asking questions about adoption because she thinks that that might be part of her story. And after our conversation, she actually wrote a little article about us. <laughs> She's a writer. And when I was reading it and like hearing her retell the things that we had spoken about at lunch, she said, Rainer said that she has never been closer to the Lord than now because she so desperately relies on him every day. And that's not a bad place to be. And that, that like sums it up. I mean, yeah. I have to have them. Like, I know this is beyond me. There were years in parenting where I could pat myself on the back thinking, oh, I'm I'm doing a pretty good job here. This is, you know, but (laughs) now I'm like eating humble (laughs) pie. Like, no, 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 no. Like this is definitely the Lord bringing these children that he's chosen into my home. And then like, I have got to have his help walking this out.
0: We're going to get right back to our conversation. But before we do, I want to thank the sponsor for today's episode, which is Christmas in the Valley y'all know i love a good craft show especially in the fall and if you are local to the memphis area don't miss out on this year's annual christmas in the valley a christmas craft fair extravaganza they invite 20 of the area's best vendors and they all offer exclusive one day only discounts to their shoppers it is always such a fun event that their shoppers look forward to seeing each year invite a few friends and make plans to attend. It will be held on Saturday, November 9th from 10 to 130 at Janice Edmiston's home in the Valley Subdivision at 4822 Valley Birch Drive in Arlington, Tennessee. For more information, check them out on Facebook at Christmas in the Valley 2019. Okay, back to the show. way back, when did you feel, we're going to go way back. Cause you know, in high school we knew each other, but it's not like, you know, we're going to sit down and be like, what are your dreams? What are your <laughs> visions? You know, we're like, right. Is my does my hair look good? Cause I want to impress the boy, you know, for homecoming oh, yes. or whatever, you know, like I want to impress right. the boy. So um, when did that really spark for you that you really realized that God was calling you to adoption?
1: I have had that flame burning for a long time. It wasn't until we had adopted the second time that the Lord recalled the moment he put that in my heart and it all clicked like, Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Mm. But in junior high school, I went on a trip to Denton, Texas to a children's home. Actually, we did it two summers in a row and we put on like a vacation Bible school for these children in a children's home where they had house parents, but all of these children were waiting to find a forever family in Denton, Texas. And I can remember the first time, the first year we were there, walking into the gymnasium where they have all, I think it was a gymnasium, but all these tables set up for where they eat dinner. So on this property, they had lots of different house homes, but they all would gather in one place to eat. And I can remember after having a day of where we've been playing with these kids and having fun and. Um, doing vacation Bible school things. We walked in to have dinner together. And I can remember walking into the room and scanning the room and thinking, how could all of these kids not have parents? Like that blows my mind that these are normal kids like me, like my friends, like my siblings who have fun and laugh and, you know, want to engage and have relationships. And it just hit me like, I can't believe. That kids like this don't have parents to call their own, Um, and I know. So I know that that was a moment, and the Lord brought that back to me after my second adoption. That was Jack, and Jack and I were in Texas visiting one of his fellow orphanage mates, Mm -hmm. who had been adopted by a precious family in Texas, and we're now best friends. But we had gone to visit them so that we could re, so that we could bring. Jack and his friend together for this reunion. And as we were driving down the highway, I saw a sign for Denton, Texas. And Uh, that just hit me. And I started crying uh, in the car. Like, that's right. So it's so cool how things like that, like who knows all the seeds that the Lord has planted that he's going to bring to maturity at a certain season in our lives that we have no idea. Like it obviously hit me hard in that moment. And it was behind a drive of why I was doing what I was doing, but I didn't really connect those dots until I'd already d- obeyed him and done it twice.
0: Wow. Wow. Such a neat story. Okay. I want to, you know, on, we started following each other on Instagram and then um, I, of course, you know, stalked you, which is a, a normal thing, right? But I did see <laughs> that you said recently on a post, you said, I'm going to read you the quote you said, yes. and I'm going to ask yes. you a little bit about it. Okay. Um, You said, for some of my precious kiddos that did not grow up in a kitchen with their mom or dad who could cook for them and share that space, food is big in our home. Some of my children have had food restrictions such as are used as punishment in their past. And some of mine simply just want to lick the spoon, try the lemon, stir the bowl, all because their senses never got to engage in this way. So what I want to know from you is how it's kind of like a two part question. Number one, how have you and do you make food a big part of your family? And then I'm going to ask you a little bit about how it extends out to outside your family. But first, tell me about how do you make food a big part of your family?
1: Yeah, we learned early on, even when we were in China, meeting our children for the first time, that food is a big deal. And it is a great way to bond because it's meeting a need at least three times a day. Right. Mm. So that was, that was big. We realized then like, this is a big deal. And then we could also see with some of ours, especially one would be a bit anxious about food. Like what are you making for lunch? What are you making for dinner? And I kind of started thinking, wow, does, does my child not think that I would feed them or have the, you know, and as we've, un, as we pull back the onion and learn different parts of the story, and put puzzle pieces together, now I know that food restriction was used as a punishment, which Mm. is just heartbreaking. Mm. So we have a drawer in our kitchen that's very low. All of my kids can get to it that has tons of snacks and healthy things. Some things are things that I've like put in little bags myself and stuck in. We always have a big tower of fruit, but basically we never say no. If if our kiddos come to us and they are hungry and they're wanting a snack, Yes, you may. Now we have selected healthier options. Mm-hmm. That that drawer is not full of candy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah you right. know, we try our best, but mm-hmm. we want them to feel safe. Like that is a security thing. And mm-hmm. none of my kids have hoarded food, which can be a struggle for a child who hasn't had food. Then when you do have it to protect yourself and for safety, it wouldn't be unusual to kind of hold some food closely. Sure. Um, we haven't seen that, but we've definitely seen the importance of, food, and the freedom in that, and having that need met. So I do really love to cook, which is great because I have a big family to cook for. And yeah. I feel like I do it often. <laughs> yeah, Our heart of our home is the kitchen. I love to dance in my kitchen. We <laughs> have music going all the time in my kitchen. I sing and dance and act like a goofball. And my kids just know it's normal. Mm-hmm. So it's just where I spend a lot of my time. And so any teaching opportunity, I try to slow myself down and think like, I need to let this child come help me do this. Like they see me in there and they're off, they're like drawn like a moth to a flame mm-hmm. because these are things they've never experienced. They didn't grow up in a kitchen at all. Um, some of my kids never even were able to feed themselves, even though they were the age where they could pick up a fork, it didn't make sense. They would be sitting and little high chairs all in a line in China where a nanny would be kindly feeding them one to the next, to the next, to the next. It made sense because it goes quickly. Mm-hmm. It makes sense because you're not going to waste food. I mean, it makes perfect sense. We had to teach some of ours, like, no, you're allowed to pick up food off of your own plate and you're mm-hmm. allowed to use a fork and do those things. Wow. Um, so we just make it, we make it fun. I mean, seriously, my Two younger sons, they fight over who gets to lick the lemon, the wow. lemon, oh, <laughs> the things we okay. take for granted. Mm, but wow. smell is also a really big deal because my precious ones have not been exposed to so many important foundations growing up. So sense of smell is huge. Mm-hmm. So sniffing things in our house is very common and I, <laughs> it's fine. You know, I mean, we probably don't need to do it all the time. We're out and about. <laughs> But it is an important part of learning. Yeah. So if I open up a spice or I'm mixing up a salsa or even, I mean, I feel like smell is so strong with my younger three. Like they'll if I'm making like a pot of chili, let's say, and the smell starts to go upstairs and they're upstairs playing, they will come downstairs wow. even before it's mealtime to mm-hmm. say like, oh mom, what is that? And they get so excited about it, wow. which encourages me as a cook. I mean, yeah, I sure. all the trouble. <laughs> I sure want someone to eat it. Yeah. So I am blessed like in that way. Yeah. My kids really are not very picky at all. Mm. And they get really excited about food. One of mine would get pretty anxious. Soon after he got home from China, he would basically always say, can I have seconds? Like he would like, if someone got up to get more, he would be communicating, like, please make sure you save some for me. And so we just mm-hmm. learned, you know what? He's always going to want seconds. That is like filling his love cup. Honestly, he wants to know that we are taking care of him, meeting that need. And so I would start to give him like a little bit of a smaller portion in the beginning, mm-hmm. knowing he's going to want seconds and that's okay. Okay. That's something Mm. that I could say yes to for sure. So our kitchen is definitely a hub. It's messy. Allowing them to be part of that is hard. There are some days that I don't want to do it. I want to do it by myself, get it done. So there's not that mess. But honestly, they're looking for that learning, but it's also building a bond and it's a connection. Mm.
0: Well, and I love how you are so warm and inviting. I remember the first time that I saw you on Facebook a few years ago and how you were having a Bible study in your home or something where women were gathering at your home. And I was like commenting. I was like, I want want to come. (laughs) I'm in Memphis and I want to come. Like it was, you were so warm and inviting and so just wanting people to have that community and wanting people to be in your home. and I love that about you. And I think this extends with like, we've been talking about food and I love your charcuterie boards that you have inspired me with. You have a hearts together group, Mm -hmm. which is a group of women and coming alongside them that are in the midst of fostering and adopting you host Bible studies. You're passionate about it. I see it. So tell me how that food extends from your family and your kitchen to others outside your family.
1: Well, I'll tell you one of the one of my favorite books, other than the Bible, of course, <laughs> is the Life Giving Home by Sally Clarkson.
0: I have you read that? book? That is so amazing, and I have not, but I keep oh, hearing about it. I need okay, to. Okay, Ren, put it on
1: your list. I will. I will. <laughs> and then it. we'll chat about it. It's so okay. good. I could, Oh, I could talk about that for a long time. But that the book Sally Clarkson's Life Giving Home, it was like my heart beat. It. Mm gave my passions and my mind and the way I'm wired, like this voice and this direction of, this is why I feel the way I do. And this is not bad. Like I've always had this desire to invite people in. And now I can really see in a bigger picture way, how it affects my family. It affects me and it affects the people that come into my home. It just, that book I did actually have a book club for that because Mm -hmm. I learned so much and I thought I want other women to be as passionate about this as they can, because it's important. I mean, what we do in our home in a daily basis and the people that we're inviting in is a huge part of our reach and what the Lord wants for us to do. I don't believe that he wants us to stay closed up in our homes, Mm -hmm. not inviting people in and not giving people a safe place to land. So With food, it's a great way to invite people over, right? And even when I started off simple, like I really want to have people over, what can I do? It might have started off with like a play group, a play date, or um, a game night. I've always kind of tried to think of some kind of like little theme or something fun as like the excuse to open my home. But I, to my core, believe that God made me to be a connector. I love to see people connect who can become friends, help each other, have the same things. I mean, I love to see those aha moments between women. So that I think has also been a big thing where I want to have these events where I invite everybody. And that's what I started a few years ago. I have these events. I had also another group called Hold Together. I know it's similar to Hearts Together the name, but Hold Together where I would invite any generation like, any woman can come in my home whether it was a Bible study, a cooking night, like one time we did, I wanted to do French cooking. I've never done it. I had my grandmother's old Julia Child cookbook oh, and wow. so I said, "Come dressed as Julia Child oh, if you dare to come it. and we're going to literally go through some French recipes together, but I don't know what I'm doing. Like <laughs> we're going to laugh about this, we're going to prepare the meal together and then we're going to sit down and enjoy it." Mm -hmm. And I had French music playing and we had some recipes that didn't turn out so fun at all. But I, I love watching people make connections and talk and like, see where the Lord takes that. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's just such a cool thing. And especially with the Hearts Together group with adoption and foster mamas, that every time we meet in my home, I see women saying like, Oh, you struggle with that? Me too. And they're able to connect and then like move that friendship on outside of the group. So I really feel like every time I open my home, it is serving the Lord. Everyone that I am feeding, I am serving the Lord. If you look at scripture, thinking about how the Lord, even with the last supper, the Lord, like Jesus specifically planned a meal. He had to have like arranged a place to have it, who was going to prepare the food, who was coming. He was thinking about that meal and what it represented in lots of different ways. Not, I mean, even in the little ways, it mattered to him. Mm -hmm. Um, Even, I don't know if you've heard of the study. There's a Bible study called the first breakfast. Um, Oh, I have. It's fantastic. But anyway, like, after, when the when the some of the disciples were on the sea, they weren't catching fish, and he like sp- the, Jesus was specifically on the shore preparing a charcoal fire and planning on feeding them. I mean, he met the needs, not just their heart needs and their mm-hmm. spiritual needs, but their physical needs. So, I I I hope and pray that people know that me, my husband, and all of my kids that we can be a safe place to land for the world outside because the world outside can be really dark and hard. There are lots of things going on that are heartbreaking, honestly. So if, if someone calls me up or texts me, Hey, can I come over and have coffee on your porch? That like makes my day. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Because I want people to know our door is open And our hearts are open. And we also don't want to do life alone. It's not what we're meant to do. So inviting people in is just a really big part of the way the Lord has wired me and the specific ministry He's given me to love on His people.
0: Hmm. Well, speaking of food, we've been talking about food a little bit. We're going to move to my last little segment because we're almost out of time. I'm so sad. I could talk to you all day, girl. Um, But my last segment is Eat, Read, Love. So I want to know okay. what you're eating, of course, and what you're reading and uh, what you're loving these days.
1: Okay. Well, eating, um, everyone who knows me well knows I'm a Trader Joe's junkie. Yes. It is I've one of my <laughs> favorite places to go. Yeah, And in the past few months, I've been just digging through some health things and trying to make figure out why don't I feel as good as I think I should. Mm. And I've realized through some tests that gluten is not my friend. Mm. So Trader Joe's makes it so easy because they label everything so clearly on their tags around mm. the store. So to me, what I'm what am I eating? Give me a charcuterie day all day long. Yeah, some cheeses, some gluten free crackers, some maybe a little meat, some vegetables, some fruit. I could live on that every single day. That's why I use it so much in entertaining because it's not rocket science and it's not even cooking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just
1: assembling a board and presenting it. So that's what I'm eating, trying to do more gluten-free and I, okay. it's definitely helping and I'm feeling better. Good. Um, reading, one of the books that is a wonderful resource for families who are going through adoption is um, From Fear to Love. From Fear to Love by Brian Post. Um, He is just huge in the adoption and foster care world, talking about trauma. And um, that book is a springboard and it will be a springboard for a lot of the discussions that we have in my adoption and foster care ministry for this upcoming year. Um, Many of my friends had recommended it and it definitely goes along with the lines of, connected parenting and what I want to do, but Brian post, you can even find him on Instagram or Facebook for all parents. It's not just for adoption okay. and foster care. Great. He has some great videos, just daily inspirations that really make you think about the heart of parenting. Okay. Uh, what am I loving? Mexican food.
0: Mm. <laughs> I'm going
1: to bring food up again. That's My okay. husband and Love I food. we recently got snuck away and had four nights in Punta Mita, Mexico. And we actually stayed just in a private home off the beaten path, very secluded. And we never left the house. They actually had the sweet, precious woman who would cook your meals for you. Wow! And we said, yes, would you cook for us? So the things that she made, I would take pictures of every day so that I could try to come home and recreate. Oh, so I'm funny. telling you, I am in love with Mexican food. And I already was. Yeah. But now, but now love is running
0: deep. Yeah, <laughs> that is so neat. And I will say this: I, I love how you and your husband, you and Mitch, steal away. I love how you do that with your girlfriends. I have seen that, and it has to be intentional. And I think that is so healthy for you and your family and your and your marriage. So I love that about you as well.
1: Yeah, it's hard to carve it out. It's really oh, yeah. hard sometimes to step mm-hmm. away. But it's so important to have that one-on-one time, even if it's not whisking away to Mexico. Right. It could be having a great lunch date. But it is so imperative to have that face-to-face time without distractions.
0: Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Rainer. This was... Awesome, so good, and so
1: inviting me. I I was so tickled. Oh, it's so fun to reconnect with you as well, and see all the things you're doing, and just finding your podcast is very exciting. Like I can't wait to keep listening.
0: You're sweet. Well, this has been an excellent, excellent conversation. I am just buoyed up. I just am so encouraged. I want to have people over to my house and feed them. Yay! anyway thanks again i really appreciate it
1: okay have a great day
0: so excited rainer came on the podcast to share her story with us i want to leave you with a few words that rainer said today that i caught she said i hope and pray that people know that we can be a safe place to land for the world outside and boy don't we all feel that way i love that so much Okay. That's going to do it for this episode today. As always, you can find me at wrenrobbins.com on Facebook and Instagram at friends of a feather podcast. And remember, we're all friends of a feather. So let's stick together. Have a great week and I'll see you next time. Bye friends. Okay. Um, Okay.
1: Okay. What am I wearing? Now,
0: what are you loving? But yeah, loving. you can say, what are you I'm wearing? Loving.
1: I don't know why I thought wearing. Isn't that funny? You know what I think? Did Claire talk about shoes when Claire she did. Richardson was on? So in my mind, I'm thinking back to Claire and talk about her yeah, like, shoes. <laughs> you can talk about shoes. You can talk about what you're wearing. <laughs>